Welcome to Futures Focus. It's a Prospect 1500 podcast. I am Scott Green, and I'm here with Jake Berry. Jake, that was my kind of little shout out to my boy Dave LaGreca on Busted Open Radio. He starts his show with a big shout out like that every time. Man, that caught me off guard. What an intro. <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm fired up for the show. Um, yeah, episode 10. Episode 10. We're going to have a lot more um, over the next several months. And I think I would like to be in episode 20s by this summer. So maybe that's kind of a little goal we can do to get these podcasts out every every couple weeks. Yeah, I think, I think that's going to be easy, especially with uh, some of these. You know, it's a busy January for us at Prospects 1500. And then, I mean, when we're in season, man, we're talking Prospects of the Week, all kinds of stuff. So I, yeah. think, that's, I think that's a realistic goal, something for our listeners to look forward to. Yeah. So as you mentioned, we are into our biggest month on the website. We drop a different top 50 prospects column every day. Um, the ones that people can find on our website at prospects1500.com right now, uh, they kicked off on New Year's Day. Uh, Dave Eddy uh, had his Detroit Tigers top 50. And then we went with um, Ryan James with the Orioles. Uh, Stoffer Cochran did the Miami Marlins. A uh, new member of our team, Alex Duval uh, from Royals Farm Report, he uh, Gave us his Royals top 50. Greg Bracken, uh, who's been with us for a few years, he did his Blue Jays top 50. Joe Rush had the Mariners. And our guest on this episode today will be Kyle Brown. And recently he dropped his Pittsburgh Pirates top 50. And that's what we're going to talk about today with Kyle. So, um, Quick thoughts on those first, you know, six or seven top 50 lists we dropped this year? Scott, content every single day of the month. We're literally going to give people 1,500 dynasty prospects to target in their leagues over the course of one month. I mean, that's, that's pumping out a ton of content. If you haven't found prospects 1,500 yet, January is the month to hook on, I think. You know, we're growing the site, and once people get in here and see these top 50s, they'll see how valuable our deep dives are. People like you and me, I mean, we play in these leagues where you need to at least maybe not be familiar with, but you need to be reading about that many prospects if you really want to be competitive. So that's why I love this site so much, man, because we're just pumping out. I look forward to January every year for that for that reason alone. Pumping you, know out. What, yeah. you know what I'll say is that, you know, there are so many great websites that do prospect content and, and I'm not going to rattle them all off. And we're friends with a lot of those guys, uh, guys and gals. The, the really cool thing that I like about our site and the site that I was really, uh, you know, um, behind the scenes and getting it started uh, a few years back, the people that we have writing these top 50s do it in their own style i am not holding anyone to specific you know number of words um i don't want you know giant scouting 
columns for every single player. We are not scouts. We are fantasy baseball players, baseball lovers, uh, real working people, and we do this on the side for the fun of it. Yeah. Um, you know, more for hobby analysis than anything else. So when you look at one list and then you look at the next day's top 50 and then you look at tomorrow's top 50, yes, I'm sticking to a, a format with, you know, the name and the position and the player's age and what level they, they got to last year. But after that, they all kind of have their own look and feel to it. Some of our writers are embedding tweets and videos and others aren't. And I am totally cool with that. And I need to say that up front here. Yeah, absolutely. But here's the thing. It gets us talking about the players. And that's really what it's all about. You know, as, as we talk with Kyle, whenever we get him on to talk pirates and stuff, you know, we, we really touch on we touch on everything from the top of the system to the bottom of the system every time we're discussing these. And, you know, that's really what it's all about is just getting us talking. Exactly. So you mentioned it. Let's let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will have uh, Kyle Brown, our our new Pittsburgh Pirates correspondent join us in this entire episode. And it's a long one, folks. It's, it's about an hour. We are going to talk Pirates prospects. So uh, how's that sound? Good? We ready to go? Let's roll. All right. So we will be right back with uh, Kyle and talk uh, Pirates top 50 prospects here on Futures Focus, the Prospects 1500 podcast. are back on Prospects 1500 Futures Focus. I'm Scott Green. I'm with Jake Berry. Jake, why don't we get into a little bit of discussion on the Pittsburgh Pirates? How's that sound? I'd love to. Great system, on the rise, new regime. Let's do it. All right. So we are very happy to bring in right now on Futures Focus, making his Futures Focus debut, our new Pittsburgh Pirates minor league correspondent, Kyle Brown. Kyle, how are, how are you? You know, I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Friday night, week's over. Looking to get into some prospects. Yeah, happy to be awesome. here. Awesome. Great. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you know what? Before we you know, dive into this system and you just recently dropped your brand new Pirates top 50 list on Prospects 1500, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about you, where you're from, how you got into, uh, you know, the love of baseball and if you're in any dynasty leagues, kind of the who, what, where, when, why, and how. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm originally from Rochester, New York, which means I was raised on the uh, glorious Rochester Red Wings organization, which when I was coming up was the Orioles, but I decided not to get on that train. Uh, when I was very young, about seven years old, I saw Gary Sheffield for the first time. He hit a home run in my presence, and really the rest is history on that. That, uh, <laughs> that secured baseball for me for a lifelong, a lifelong endeavor. Um, and then, you know, I got myself into fantasy in high school with some of my mates. Uh, we've been in a league now for, gosh, I guess it's 20 years now, which is dating me. Um, but, yeah, so after that, I went to school in Pittsburgh. After following Gary Sheffield, wherever he went, I realized that that train would eventually end. So I had to uh, sign on with somebody. Who better than the worst team in baseball? Um, so, yeah, I uh, got a season ticket holder to give me their tickets for a year for prices that were preposterously low. 
Uh, and then after I bounced around a little bit in the world, I went to Korea and in Korea, I joined on to a bunch of dynasty leagues because I was missing America. And that's pretty much where the prospect insanity began. Uh, once I got myself into a deep dynasty league, it was all systems go. And I feel like at that time we were just starting to see all these websites pop up with just a bevy of information. Um, and as sort of just the stataholic for, you know, ever since I could find the stats online, ever increasing statistics just led to, uh, you know, a snowball effect, as it were. So now I'm out in Colorado, uh, you know, chasing the dream out here. I see, see some Rockies every now and again. And yeah, that's where I'm at. All right. Sounds good. Can you tell everyone where we can find you online, whether it's, you know, Twitter or Instagram, or other social media? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I keep it pretty simple. I'm just doing the Twitter thing right now. Um, mm -hmm. And the handle is at caught looking, but you spell the caught in the uh, etched in marble way with a V for a U. Uh, so it's yeah at caught looking and just exchange that U for a V and you should find me. All right. Sounds good. Uh, before we uh, jump in here, my my 16 year old son has had the ability the last couple summers to travel around a good part of the country um, for a month or so each summer uh, visiting different baseball parks on this this great tour uh, a team tour that he did and he comes back each year and and he says dad one of my favorite parks is is uh, in Pittsburgh and I'm so jealous that he's been there twice and I haven't been there once yet Oh, I, yeah, I gotta, I gotta echo that. Anytime anyone asks me who the top five baseball parks are, PNC is easily number one. I mean, I've been to roughly 25 in my lifetime and some of those are no longer in use, but yeah, I got to spend a summer in PNC, PNC with one of my, my best friends. It, you know, the way that it's positioned with the, the river, the way that it's positioned overlooking the city, the way that they close the Roberto Clemente bridge so that you walk across this, this yellow bridge um to get to the games and there's always the same saxophone guy and then at a certain point in the night in the summer the sun hits all of the glass on all of the buildings right in the outfield and everything just glows orange it really it's pretty magical out there that's so cool so if we're lucky we're going to see some of these players we're talking about at pnc uh in the near future uh, i did a little task myself and I looked back uh, onto our website a couple months. We dropped an overall top 172 prospects. It was a an aggregation of of many different writers uh, on our staff. Each of them had submitted their own top 100s, and then using a, a correlation and aggregation point system, that's how we rated and came up with the 172. Five of those were Pirates prospects, and I'll mention them right here and where they ranked. And I think it's an interesting task because we're going to ask you to, to jump into your top 50 and focusing on the top 10 first. And the order of these uh, players, um, I think, are a little bit different. So back in October, we had uh, Cabrian Hayes at number 49. He was our first Pirate on the list. Mitch Keller. 52, O'Neill Cruz at 65, and then we have to drop down to 145 to find Travis Swaggerty, and Mason Martin came in at 172. So with that, Kyle, let's jump in. 
to the 2020 Pittsburgh Pirates top 50. And, uh, you know, what are you thinking about their top, their system and then their top 10? Why don't we start off with that? Well, I'm pretty pleased with the system right now, overall. Um, you know, it hurt to lose a lot of the guys that I could see coming up, but can't really focus on the past in Pittsburgh. Um, Got to stay focused on the future, especially with this new regime. So when it comes to the my overall feeling, I'm liking a lot of what we have in the very, very low minors in terms of, you know, DSL guys and guys that are just just starting to crack stateside. Yeah. I, I like that we have it, what it seems to be. I mean, granted, we don't really have much to speak of in terms of lefties in the system, but um, our right-handed pitching prospects definitely are – there's there's a lot of depth there, uh, and there's a lot of guys pumping really high heat. Uh, and when it – you know, I all of these guys I'd be a little bit concerned with uh, on the old system where, and I, you know, pitching to contact, all that stuff, things that – Granted, did save the careers of some pitchers and gave us a little bit of, of life, you know, your A.J. Burnett's and what have you, uh, your J.A. Haps. Uh, those, were all, those were all good wins for Searage. But when it came to developing the arms, I just I wasn't super impressed with what I saw. And obviously, you know, I feel like we let a little bit of uh, production slip out of our hands with Garrett Cole's career at Pittsburgh. So, okay. but what I'm seeing now... I, I, I guess I like, you know, there's some, there's some guys that are struggling with some injuries, but when you look at like Tanaj Thomas, um, who's in my top 10, who I have really high hopes for, um, these, those are the types of arms that I'm really seeing the Cody Bolton as well. Um, they're, they're just starting to crack that double a level. I mean, Tanaj Thomas is a little bit further away, but there's a couple of guys coming up and obviously the big one is Mitch Keller. Um, who's, performance last year was obviously the results were not exactly what we wanted but this is why i'm so happy we live in the age of analytical statistics because back in the day he probably would have been buried for that 713 era and given up all those bombs but now we can now we can sort of dig underneath the hood as it were and i'm pretty pretty psyched for him to come up this year with all that new regime change with those new coaches and sort of just let him go and I think his his secondary stuff with and with the heat that he can bring, I, I obviously I don't don't see a full season where he's going to be an immediate ace, but that's that's really all the hope. And if we we haven't had an anchor in that rotation for a while that you can really rely on, so that's that's really that's really what I'm looking for. And then I you know I think when it comes to trying to graduate players each year that are going to add solid WAR value, um, Brian Hayes is huge for that. And if this was a list that was sort of focused more on, you know, real world value. Cabrian Hayes, with that glove and the ability to to be sort of a thorn in the side of a lot of people with the bat and steal a few bases here and there, I, he's going to be huge. I think he's going to be really good for the actual on-field pirates when the time comes, although, you know, the offensive output might might not be a fantasy stud. Um, and then, you know, O'Neill Cruz. We've seen a lot of these guys come up um, in the sense of league-wide that have the kind of power potential that Cruz has and have just sort of struggled to unlock it in the minor leagues. And that's really what I'm looking for this year. Uh, I got, you know, I got a little pushback on some people because O'Neill Cruz didn't really light the world on fire this year when it came to the power, but you know, you see other players in their development trends and, and sort of how their, how their graph has looked. And this year with him in double a, I'm very much expecting big things when it comes to that. So I, I'm overall, I'm feeling good. Uh, and we, I, I feel like when we get, you know, Charrington's pretty good at identifying talent 
He showed that with the Red Sox. He showed that, you know, Mookie Betts in the fifth round type type stuff. And and then the ability to, uh, you know, to develop it. So it we have to develop properly and we have to really maximize every ounce of talent we get from the draft and from the international market uh, in order to have any sort of, you know, to create these little three year, four year windows where we can hopefully not lose in the wild card every year. But, you know, uh, so overall, I'm feeling pretty good about it. And I think the top 10 is pretty bright and it's a nice mixture. I mean, I didn't even mention Quinn Priester in this and it's feeling pretty bright when it when it comes to the overall i feel like and it's a nice mix as well like we have guys with good gloves we got guys with good hit tools we got we got guys with big power um and then there's some there's some you know some lower level gems that i'm hoping can really rise um you know like an alexander mojica who lit the dsl on fire as a complete you know as someone who's as old as your kid um so it's just kind of crazy and you, you, know, you look at some of the video on him and you can see that he's not there physically at all and yet he was able to crush 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 that pitching and you know still take a walk and not have strikeout numbers that are worrisome so i mean it's really all systems go for me with the pirates right now and there's even a few guys hanging out you know in sort of that 11 to 20 range that could be contributors to the major league level as much as they're not necessarily going to be huge fantasy guys like a jared oliva um you know, and then there's guys where I'm hoping that they graduate off this list soon so that I can sort of stop talking about them. Yeah, and you bring in some more onto the list anyway. I know that Jake has uh, has a question or two. Before we, we do that, um, I, I just want to clarify for our listeners, uh, on Prospects 1500 with our top 50 lists, we do separate it into tiers. Um, and basically, we, we lean towards uh, Dynasty Fantasy a little bit more than, than real life. Um, tier 1 we call players with high expectations of both making the majors and playing at an all-star level for a number of years. And, and if you think about uh, 30 different teams and 50 prospects per team, we're ranking 1,500 prospects on our site. There's probably going to be um, uh, 30 to 40 total players that are in Tier 1. So it's not a huge percentage at all. And Mitch Keller is your only tier one, uh, tier one player at this point. Uh, tier two players with an above average expectation of making the majors and being a solid contributor, and tier three are players with an average expectation of making the majors and being a solid contributor. So you have Mitch Keller as your tier one guy. O'Neill Cruz and Cabrian Hayes and Quinn Priester are your tier twos. You've got three of them. The rest of your top 10 falls into tier three. And if I may, you're just extending your tier three with Jared Oliver and Calvin Mitchell to uh, 11 and 12. You start your tier four way up at number 13. Yeah, that's, that's true. You know, I'm, I, 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 I want to keep them grouped like that because as much as I want to talk about some of those guys in tier four, I, I guess, you know, there's some people who I want to be stingy in, in tier one. And I, I guess for me, th- these guys have some things you want to talk about and some things you want to highlight, but there's still a lot of question marks with a whole host of them. So there, you know, as, as much as I am excited about some things that I see, in my time, you know, sort of as a prospector, it, 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 the, the, the rate of success for a lot of these guys is just not that high. 
you know, when you're looking at some of these lower level um, minor league statistics and, you know, you can torch a couple of leagues down there, but it doesn't necessarily translate. So, you know, and I guess it's, it's a little bit tough to merge those tiers in terms of, you know, real world value and also dynasty value, you know, like a guy like Will Craig, who I'm going to have sort of in the, uh, in the tier four, Mm -hmm. um, he's going to come up and he is going to produce and so on the one hand, like I have no, you know, I'm pretty sure he's going to make the major leagues and be around for at least a little while. Um, but when it comes to it's, I really am focusing on that high likelihood of making the majors, but providing minimal impact. And so when you want to get into tier three, where players have average expectation of making the major leagues and being a solid contributor, I'm looking a little bit more on that solid contributor side, as opposed to minimal impact side. Um, and so that's why I'm just a little bit, I, you know, I wanted to put, I'm very, I'm expecting to have a lot of movement on my list. You know, I'm expecting to keep my finger on the pulse of this system very closely. So there's going to be a lot of shifting when it comes to seeing these guys in 2020. And, you know, I'm prepared to, to, to move guys up and down as I need to. But as much as the system is deep, it, when it comes to that difference between minimal production and solid production, I'm just going to, I'm going to be putting a lot more people down on that minimal production until I see something, I don't know, significant, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. And I'm with you on, I like that thought, that train of thought and to have, uh, to have more of the players, these are prospects and a lot of them, you know, may not pan out and, and a good majority of your list are tier fours and fives. And, and I honestly think that is how a lot of these, uh, top 50 lists should be. Jake, um, who are your, uh, guys you're looking at here in his top 10 yeah I, I i personally love this top 10 and i call it an improved system because i think they had a great 2019 draft kyle and i have talked about that a little bit on twitter some of the guys i like there i've always been a mitch keller guy even when some folks were down on him kyle talked a little bit about uh i guess the unprecedented bad luck that he had uh last year um, Kyle, you kind of gave us an overview of that top 10. I kind of want to drill down into a couple of these guys. You know, even though in our top 172, Cabrian Hayes ended up being ranked above Mitch Keller, my personal opinion, I think you're right. Mitch Keller is that guy up there at number one. What I'm really curious about is two and three. How close O'Neill, O'Neill Cruz and Cabrian Hayes were for you? I mean, they were razor thin. That was honestly, you know, there's there's a lot of guys that I sort of hemmed and hawed over when it came to making this list. But the O'Neill Cruz to Brian Hayes question for me was almost the biggest question when it came to the top 10. Because for me, like Mitch Keller was no doubt. And I wasn't going to rate Priester above O'Neill Cruz or, or to Brian Hayes just because we haven't seen enough. And then you get into a little bit more projection and, and all that good stuff. But when it came, so really what it comes down to is if I'm tr- if I'm trying to think about dynasty and I'm trying to think about getting value, you know, out of, a, out of a guy that I can maybe get early with cheap shares. And he is going to have, it really comes down to ceiling is, is what I'm trying to say. I think O'Neill Cruz's ceiling in terms of, you know, fantasy production is just higher. And I saw enough, although it wasn't an amazing season. I, I think there was more than enough uh, in 2019 for O'Neill Cruz, especially with the hit tool. Um, he, you know, he really... He showed the, that's going to be the big thing is if he can hit, you know, 260, 270 in the majors, maybe, and, and crank those 30 home runs out. I have no idea what position he's going to play because sure they're sliding at shortstop, but he is just a giant man and is yet to exactly fill out. Um, 
that's sort of what I saw in, in terms of O'Neill Cruz. It comes down to ceiling for me for Cabrian Hayes and O'Neill Cruz for fantasy production. I really do think that Cabrian Hayes, over the course of these two players' careers, uh, is going to be, you know, the more valuable player overall. He's going to create more war. He's going to, he's going to, re- those defensive, you know, his defensive prowess is very legitimate and that's going to create a lot of value, keep him in the majors a little bit. But he's, he's not, you know, for me, his profile is very, it very much reminds me of Kevin Newman, to be honest. You know, someone who's going to, who's going to at peak maybe be able to crack 15 to 20 home runs, maybe that 20, but maybe more like 10, 15, hopefully steal you 15 to 20 bases at peak do a good job of walking, not going to strike out over 20%, you know, and all those things have a lot of value. But if I'm looking for someone who has the chance to put up like a true, you know, a couple truly special seasons and, and have, uh, have, have his peak and his, you know, four or five years where he's truly maxing out to me, that's still going to be O'Neill Cruz. So it really just comes down to what I feel about their ceiling. Um, Sure. And and yeah, I mean, I, I think Ryan Hayes is a great, great little hitter. But at the same time, I'm just not I'm not seeing all that much more out of him, whereas I can sort of dream on the ceiling of Cruz. Right. And it sounds a little bit like uh, it's going to be the fantasy owners, uh, you know, their kind of style of how they build their team, too. If you're looking at you're a little more risk averse, you might want to be a no Neil Cruz guy. And you're saying there might be a little more floor with Hayes there. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. I would say the floor for Hayes is, is pretty, is there, you know, he's got the contact skills um, and he showed that pretty much throughout the minors and he's got the, you know, he's not, he's not striking out a lot. He's, he's improved that walk rate uh, and that, that continued in AAA and he did turn it on at the end of last year. And, and, you know, he, he hit some home runs and it was sort of, you know, a tale of two seasons, like I said in the article, but so there, there, there might be more there, but 10 home runs and 110 games at the AAA level with, you know, the major league ball they were using last year. I'm just, I feel like, like I said, it's sort of like Kevin Newman. And hey, Kevin Newman's going to be on a lot of my teams this year because yeah. I feel like he's undervalued. But that's also not, you know, he's not going to be a top round. I don't see a ceiling of a top round guy for him, even if he sort of maxes out his potential. And I've just got, I'm about to ask you an impossible question since we brought up ceilings here. So love it. Shoot, shooting from the hip here in your write up on O'Neill Cruz, last one on the top few guys, because I want to get to Quinn Priester a guy I love from the draft, and then another guy outside of your top 10 that you and I have talked about you know I'm really high on. Yeah. Last question on O'Neill Cruz here. In your write-up, you say you could either see him rocketing to Tier 1 or dropping down to Tier 3. Impossible question. If you're a betting man, would you say at the end of this season he's in tier more likely to end up in Tier 1 or more likely to end up in Tier 3? I love that question, Jake. Yeah, well, I'm I'm all about impossible questions because that's what we're that's where that's what we're aiming to do here, right? Uh, I'm saying tier one. Uh, I'm you know I'm it's it could all sort of fall apart. Uh, his his giant body could could completely dismantle and all those things, and he's struggled with injury as well, which has sort of been an issue. But I'm gonna I'm gonna bet more on tier one uh, when it comes to that because I he, he hit one home run when he went up to double A. Um, but he was able to show a little bit better plate discipline. And I, I just think if, if O'Neill Cruz comes out and is able to hit 15, 20 home runs and stay on the field for a little bit longer at double A, there's really no reason why we shouldn't sort of, I don't know, sort of think more all in on him. Uh, he's, those power grades are huge. And if, if he shows just, if he's able to maintain that sort of level of average, uh, and keep a little bit of that walk rate. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be that 11%, but if he can keep it around 10 and he's not, you know, the strikeouts didn't balloon when he got to double A, so he can keep that in check as well. And I mean, he tossed in 10 stolen bases last year in, you know, in 70 games. So 
that to me, I guess of 11, I don't really count those rookie ball numbers though, those three games. Um, but that to me, if he, if he's doing, so let's say we have a prospect at the end of this year that hit 15 to 20 home runs in a hundred ish games, stole 10 to 15 bases, hit 275 and still has projection left in his body. Cause he just turned 21. I'm thinking tier one is going to be very much within reach. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to, since Quinn Priester's listed at number four here on your list, before we kick it back over to Scott, I, I want you to talk a little bit about Quinn Priester. He's a guy who, after the draft, I was extremely high on, you know, athletic guy, football standout on a, on a state championship team back in high school. But he's kind of a unique situation. And you, you touch on that in your write-up. He's from a cold-weather state. Never really yeah. had a, a, an actual pitching coach. But he's got the build, he's got the delivery, and he's got the stuff. I mean, is are we looking at a possible Mitch Keller maybe one day way down the road, Quinn Priester being in that rotation with him? I think so. I mean, the idea that he just <laughs> didn't have the weather that allowed him to – I mean, I can't really get over the fact that he didn't have a pitching coach and he was taken in the first round. Like, that That to me is – that right there, even if he was living in California, would be something to to remark on. Um, but he's – you know, he's he's – He's got the he's got the heat already, and I think we're gonna see a little bit. He's only nineteen, right? So he's coming out of high school. We're gonna we're gonna see a little bit more out of that fastball, and if he can be able to get it up to that Mitch Keller area of sort of sitting at ninety five, which maybe he can, maybe he can't. Um, but he's sitting ninety one to ninety four right now. The control is already good. Uh, he's got multiple pitches, and he's 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 gonna get into you know he's sort of gonna be the darling. I feel like of this organization. Because as much as it was Huntington and, and co who drafted him, I feel like, yeah, obviously it's going to be Charrington and, and, and his team that's going to develop him. And it just seems like the kind of, if you can get yourself to this level without having all that much help, what is going to happen when you do have help? When yeah. you have major league baseball help? Like that to me is just, it's, it's it, when, it, when you're talking about dreaming, when you're talking about ceiling, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, and he, you know, the numbers in the early returns in rookie ball, we're fantastic. Uh, and he's, he, like I said, sort of in the write-up, I mean, he's producing ground balls. He's not giving up home runs. He's, you know, he's got 10, 10.9 K to nine with the, with a walk to nine under three. When Quinn Priester, you're just going to be able to inject so much focus on him with this pirates organization. And so that to me, I, I, sky's the limit. Like he could very easily be tier one by the end of this year. If he comes out and smokes, you know, he could, he could move himself up a couple levels if, if all things go well. And I, I mean, that's just what I'm seeing. And it's a, it's a full arsenal. You know what I mean? It's, it's fastball curveball change up with good command, six, three, one There's, there's really nothing to not like at this point about Priester. Yeah. And shameless plug for the diamond duo series, the, the dynasty league that a lot of our writers play in as well as some listeners and readers and things like that. Just snag Quinn Priester in our first year player draft as it's going on. Last little nugget there. If you guys haven't seen the two seam fastball that that guy's throws, I mean, it looks like a it looks like a frisbee he's chucking across the plate. Scott, you got any thoughts on these uh, top ten guys? You know, you guys touched on it. I really like Mason Martin. Uh, Kyle has him down at number ten. Uh, I'm also just intrigued to um, to see what uh, number eight Alexander. Uh, how do you say? Is it Mojica? Mojica. I'm um, I'm saying Mojica until I hear differently. But. Okay. Well, I'm excited to see what he can do um, this year uh, as well. You know, if I had to say any guys that I'm a little bit down on, and I don't even know if I should be down on him, uh, Travis Swaggerty, but, you know, 23 stolen bases last year, which you pointed out 
um, 10.9 walk percent, and he was doing a lot of that in high A. Um, I, I think you're kind of right on uh, with where you've got him at number seven. Hey, while we've, we've got Swaggerty on the brain, too, if I can interject, Kyle, I had one very specific question for you about him. Yeah. You know, our, our listeners playing a lot of different formats and stuff, and, and I kind of, when I look at Travis Swaggerty, I think more OBP league. You think he might be a little more valuable in an OBP league than an average league, or, or you think he's just going to be valuable across the board? I mean, I think OBP is what you're looking at for sure. Um, especially since he can, you know, doesn't seems like a kind of guy that wants to be running around on the bases. Uh, he's definitely an athlete and his walk weight has improved every single, you know, every single stop along the way. Um, and I, and, and he's also, he also cut his K rate last year Uh, and talking with another one of our, um, you know, our correspondents, I don't know how to say his last name, but he goes by Bailey. Yeah. Bailey Srebnik. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Srebnik. That's how you say his last name. Um, him and I have been talking cause I, you know, he's got a chance to, he lives down in Florida. He's got a chance to check out some of these guys. And, and he, you know, was telling me about how Swaggerty really turned it on towards the end of the season. Um, and Swaggerty is, you know, he's playing in Bradenton, those, you know, those numbers that he's putting up in 2019. So it's a little bit harder to hit there, but OBP leagues, I think are going to be huge. And if he can continue to, you know, basically it's like, if you're not going to make a whole bunch of contact, but you see that you can steal bags and pop a few home runs. I mean, nine home runs in 121 in the Florida state league's not terrible. Um, I'm, I'm still sort of in on Travis Swaggerty. I, I, I don't normally chase toolsy guys that don't have the ability to put the bat on the ball as much as I'd like, but I'm still based on what I saw sort of based on the progression he showed throughout the year, I'm still in. And as steals get even, you know, more scarce in the fantasy realm, if he can come up, get an on base percentage, 360, 370 in the majors, which that's, that's lofty, uh, but potentially add 25 to 30 steals at peak and, and, and hit you 10, 15 home runs. That's definitely going to have a decent amount of value. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to, you know, a dynasty league with, you know, 15, 16 teams. Yeah. Sorry, Scott, for jumping in there. Go ahead. Yeah, no problem. Um, we, we're going to move on. Um, be, we're going to ask Kyle to go beyond his top 10, uh, give us a few risers, a few fallers that, that are outside that top 10. And, you know, maybe one of his favorite prospect crushes and any others that we might want to mention. But before we do, I have two names that I want to throw to you, Kyle. Um, one that I am really excited about and another who I, I kind of came across last year. Um, Jake, it seems like his name came up two or three times in our prospects of the week. Um, Rodolfo Castro and Kyle, you've got him at number 25, um, thoughts on Castro because your little write up, um, I, I honestly didn't realize that he had really poor plate discipline and you know uh, uh, he had a 516 slugging in 61 games for Greensboro which which sounds great but if he can't draw any more walks uh then then there's a little issue here yeah uh yeah I mean and you know and uh Jake and I have talked about this uh a little bit on on Twitter but well I guess not about Rodolfo Castro but just about generally this sort of profile um He's, you know, he sort of seems like that middle infielder who's just all or nothing. Uh, and I, he, at every single level, uh, he's, his, his, that average is, you know, exceptionally low. And you're looking at last year, you know, in high A, even when it was going well. And going well would be that, you know, that run uh, in Greensboro with the 14 home runs, the six steals. Mm-hmm. His on-base percentage is 306. Um, 
and he's you know he he put together he's walking 7.1 percent but he's he's striking out well over 20 percent at every single level um and then that but when he went up to uh, Bradenton it just it it looked like you know he was overmatched he, he even posted a much higher BABIP at that level um over 57 games but he was not able to find the power at all and so you know for me when it comes to a power tool that can't really be supported for, you know, we're, we got a, we got a lot of data on Rodolfo Castro right now. I feel like, you know, he started in 2016 and he hasn't, you know, he's been able to play a healthy amount of games and nothing has really changed. Uh, when it, you know, he is, his early, his early seasons were nice. He sort of tore up rookie ball a little bit, but nothing has really changed from 2018, you know, 6.1% walk rate, 23% K rate, 231 wasn't able to slug over 400. All right, figured it out in 2019 at the beginning, but then took a huge hit again when he was brought to the Florida State League. I guess I I feel like maybe he's going to go back uh, to Bradenton this year because it wasn't a rounding like wasn't a great success. Uh, I don't think he's ready for Double A, and I, I'm just not seeing enough contact here to reach sort of the one tool he has, which is power. Okay. All right. Uh, the 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 player I'm really excited about uh, outside your top ten. You've got him at number 15. 37th overall draft pick, Sammy Ciani, uh, younger brother of Reds prospect Michael Ciani. Also a big fan. Yeah. Well, I, you know, this, this sort of just comes down to the things that I, I try to bring to the table when I'm, I'm trying to find somebody who's going to really be a producer. Um, and now, I, you know, there's a lot of caveats here with Sammy Ciani because we haven't seen that much from him. Uh, and there could be a lot more. Uh, you know, that's going to be able to come out of his bat and sort of come out of his overall game. Uh, I do see, you know, a healthy speed tool as well. And I love the walk rate that he was able to pick, put up last year, uh, sort of in his debut, but he didn't really reach any power. Um, and, and sort of that, you know, that, that worries me a little bit, not, not being able to, to get that going at all. That was also, so we got 39 games and we got six extra base hits. Um, three of those are triples, you know, sort of showing off that speed and he was able to get on base, but the, the strikeout rate was pretty concerning, uh, 25%. All this said, he's 19. Um, and you know, he's a lefty bat. He's, 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 he's got fine size. He's going to potentially grow into, you know, what he could be in terms of a hit tool. Uh, so I'm, I guess I'm just a little bit, I'm optimistic about Sammy Siani, but I am just a little bit cautious. And I guess it is kind of unfair to, to look at, you know, his brother Mike's numbers and, you know, assume he's going to be sort of the same kind of player, which there's really nothing to that, but it, it's a little bit hard not to fall into that trap. Uh, and, you know, if he, if he turns out into a guy who's going to steal a lot of bases, get on base, hit a few home runs, but sort of be real pesky, he, he just seems to be more of a, value is going to be higher in real world than it ever will be in fantasy. Um, you know, but he's, he's another person that could very easily be a riser if he comes out uh, and, and, and has a very good season um, when, you know, especially if he continues that, that high walk rate, I, I, I'm sort of a sucker for high walk rates. I gotta be honest. Um, it's something that really, if you were, that's something that really shows me you're comfortable at the plate. And if he's comfortable at the plate at this young age, I'm still optimistic, which is why I did rank him as highly as I did. Um, but yeah, just he, for me, he wasn't going to crack the top 10 when it comes to thinking about, uh, his ceiling. All right. So we're on a roll here. I'm just going to keep things going. Um, let's dig a little deeper because that's what we do at prospects 1500. Can I throw one in? Yeah. Yeah. And then I just want to go to this risers fallers thing. Go ahead. 
I want to throw one last guy in. Kyle knows who I'm going with. Matt Gorski. Very simple. You, you and I, Kyle, we're, we're documented as being on uh, different wavelengths with this guy. I love the power-speed combo. You're the expert on the Pirates system. I want your opinion on what you think realistically this guy's ceiling is. Am I just dreaming on, on some tools here, or is he a legitimate threat to rise up this list and, and maybe even find some time in PNC Park one day? I mean, I think he's definitely got a shot. Uh, I mean, absolutely. He, when it comes, you know, when it comes to trying to find things to, to look at when you're looking at overall possibilities, you do want to, athletes are a real thing. Uh, and being just a straight up athlete is something that you can't really ignore. And is something that you can use to, you know, look at his production so far, which is only 49 games, mm-hmm. uh, where it wasn't, you know, there certainly I'm looking across the board and it's not, there's a lot of things to like. Uh, I love that, you know, those 11 stolen bases again, back to the walk rate solid. Um, so he's not just up there hacking, trying to find that power in any way he can. And the, you know, the K rate for, for, for someone's debut, I'm not too worried about either at 23.8%. So, uh, that two twenty three average is a little frustrating, but again, you know, there's a little bit of a lower bab up there as well. Um, so, yeah, I guess when it, when it comes to Gorski, he's huge, right? So he's 6'4", 198. So he's probably going to fill out a little bit more, maybe get to that power. Uh, I guess when it, when it comes to looking at his future, it's always that question of will he be able to hit enough or advance that, you know, his ability to get on base in a way where that's going to be 270, you know, 340, and then potentially crack it, you know, get close to that 500 slugging with, with some potential dingers. Uh, and there, you know, there, there was a lot of, a lot of hard contact from him. He only hit three home runs, but he, he did pop nine doubles and, and have a couple triples as well. So I, I'm not, again, it's sort of like, until I see, I, I tend to chase, I tend to chase, you know, that the ability to command the zone with that walk percentage. I, I definitely am focused on K percentage and I'm focused on the ability to, to, to hit the ball and put hard contact on, but also just make enough contact, uh, so that you're sort of doing damage on a more regular basis. That said, I do feel like the game is sort of trending in the way of these types of players um, that are a little bit more power speed, and there's a lot more leeway for guys that are not necessarily going to be high average guys, not going to hit above 280. Um, you know, but he's, he's an undeniable athlete, and the size is there. Uh, so I, I don't think it's crazy to think that he could make it. I guess part of my issue also is that I have seen a lot of guys like him draft this is one where i'd be happy to talk about like the new organization right because i've seen a lot of guys drafted similar sort of profile little power speed little toolsy little athlete um and then it just never seemed to coalesce um in the pirates organization and so that's that's also there's part of the thing for gorski with me is that he was taken in the second round by a talent group that i don't really trust and luckily they're gone and those tools can be, you know, create, like, those tools can be, can, can flourish under, under new development uh, and in sort of a new organizational wide philosophy. And that's like, that's my hope. Obviously, as I said, I really want to be wrong on Gorski. I want him to turn into that power speed threat. Uh, and I don't think there's any reason to, to, you know, to not have optimism when it comes to that. If he comes out again in 2020 and, you know, can't get that average over 250 and, and sort of has increased K percentage issues because at 6'4", he's going to have, you know, he's, his swing is solid, but it, it can, can get long. Um, so that's that's sort of what I'm looking at. For, so I'm just cautiously optimistic, like to see what the new org- organization could do to him. Very curious to see where he's going to get placed to begin the season. 
Um, but you know, if he comes out and, and hits 260, has a walk rate of 10%, you know, K percentage doesn't spike. I, I I'm sort of more all systems go on him. Yeah, absolutely. Some, some great insight there from our uh, pirates expert, Kyle Brown. I appreciate that, Kyle. Sounds like he's more of uh, like we said, a little bit of a fantasy player preference, maybe a little more risk averse guys kind of want to go ahead and roster him. Um, you know, personally, I, I, I don't put too much stock. I think that might help me uh, with, with Gorski. I don't put too much stock in their first year out of, you know, college after long seasons and things like that. I like to, to look on the tools and things like that and, and then really start evaluating the numbers uh, as they get another chance that, you know, that first full season in pro ball, if you will. Scott, let's do some risers and fallers. Before we do, as a uh, baseball card collector, enthusiast, uh, big into the hobby, I'll say Sammy Ciani and, and Matt Gorski both have their first Bowman uh, cards and, and first autograph cards in the new uh, 2019 Bowman draft release, guys. So now, a couple, now couple ones you might want to pick up. I'm sitting on a Gorski right now. Why do you have to go throw that out there first? <laughs> so, Kyle, looking deep into this system, give us a few risers and give us a few, well, I don't know if we want to call it fallers, but maybe some that maybe they're up there in Tier 3 or Tier 4, but they – they might not be uh, come your midseason update, or or maybe let's just say maybe some that you're not as high on as some other uh, prospectors out there. Yeah, um, well, so we've, we've touched on. Uh, I guess I'll start with the fallers because you know we'll get bad news first. Sure. Um, for me, there's been a lot of chatter. It seems like, um, and by chatter, I mean all the podcasts I listen to. I guess so. There <laughs> seems there seems to be a lot of chatter about. The, the the Arizona Fall League that Jared Oliva had, and it was it was very good. You know, Jared Oliva came out in the Fall League and 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 did did crush the ball and did his you know stolen base thing. But that for me, I haven't seen enough actual progression out of Jared Oliva to be really excited about him. Uh, you know, it's it it also hasn't hasn't been bad, but it's just sort of been one of those guys who's gonna. I'm just really worried he's sort of a fourth outfielder type at best um so for me and I, I have him here because the production was solid and sort of the strength of that afl um performance is real you know like that's a that's a very high level of, of competition at the end of the year down there in arizona um but that to me is sort of why he i was i was able to put him at 11 and i sort of struggle with that one as well because i'm just not as high on him uh, as a lot of other people it's been very steady production. It just hasn't done very much. And I guess if he can continue to do, if he can continue to put up those numbers um, in AAA next year, which is where I expect him to go um, with, you know, the, I think he's because he can, he can definitely man center field. He might get a call up just if some people go down with injury, uh, cough, cough, Jer uh, Gregory Polanco. But um, I, I'm not seeing enough value out of Jared Alva. So if he comes up to AAA and let's say that competition is a little bit harder and he is going to, that, that average dips a little bit, that on-base percentage dips and he can't slug over 400 like he wasn't able to this year in, in AA, 30 steals is nice, but I just, he's, when I see his profile, I see someone who as the competition gets more difficult is going to struggle more. And the only thing that pushes against that feeling for me is his performance in the Arizona Fall League. Um, and so that's Jared Oliva to me is someone that I'm, I'm definitely watching closely. Uh, and I just, I'm just, 
on the one hand, I can't deny that the production is decent. On the other hand, he's the kind of guy that could really fall on my list, sort of like, I don't know, sort of like a Kevin Kramer, you know, like, all right, the numbers are fine, the numbers are fine, and then he gets there, and it's just sort of, I don't know, it's not inspiring, and it, it's not something that you need to worry about in terms of your fantasy team, unless you're going super deep 30 team. Um, so he's a guy that I think is a faller for me. Uh, the other guy who I really just want to come up to the major leagues because we need the defense at first base, uh, and I don't necessarily know what that does for Josh Bell because he's not great in the outfield either, but is Will Craig. Uh, Will Craig to me is someone he sort of sums up the Pirates draft philosophy over the last few years, which has been frustrating at times, although I feel I do agree that last year's draft was much better. Um, Will Craig to me is he's just I just want to stop talking about Will Craig, but I can't because he was so good uh, in college. Uh, I'm pretty sure he almost won the triple crown or something. He destroyed college ball and he was supposed to be this. He's supposed to be this guy that comes up and has good on base skills and has a lot of power and the hit tool can be there, but it's just everyone. I mean, offensive production in triple a last year skyrocketed and Will Craig just sort of did the same old thing. Um, other than one run where he could not stop hitting home runs. I mean, I was all in on Will Craig for the first month of the season. I was like, yes, it happened. Finally, it's, he's going to come up. We're going to have another masher. Uh, it, and, and then it's just not there. What I will say about Will Craig that I do like in terms of the Pirates overall is that our defense has been a little iffy for a while, and he and Cabrian Hayes both took home the gold glove last year for, for the minor leagues for their position. So I, I do like that, but I, and just those numbers last year, it's sort of the same story as Jared Oliva. You know, 2018 in double-A, hit 20 home runs, 248, 321, 448. Next year, 2019, we got the, you know, the baseball being, being used that – that everyone seemed to be able to knock out of the park and his K rate increased his walk rate stayed pretty much the same only managed 23 home runs. And that's, he's the guy that I think with another, if he can't actually hit his way into the major leagues um, and he has another season like this in 2020, he's someone that I'm just going to drop significantly on this list. And he's already at 20. But he's the kind of guy that when it comes to thinking about those tiers and you have solid production versus minimal production, if you can't hit at all in the National League, I don't care how good your glove is at first base, it's not going to work. So that to me is someone who could be a big faller if he sort of falls flat again this year. Uh, and the other one we sort of already talked about that I, that I was going to highlight was Rodolfo Castro, because I, I just see another season where he struggles to find the power. And if he struggles to find the power, he just becomes obsolete. Um, and, and he's, you know, he's Florida state was a big challenge for him. Uh, and, and grant, you know, so I can still be happy with that 14 home runs and he's still young enough where things can change. And again, regime change, who knows, maybe they can figure something out that the last organizations could not, the organizational team could not figure out. So I'm, I'm I would love, I would love to be wrong about everyone I'm low on so that we have the greatest yeah. team in major league baseball. Right. But you know, for me, those are the three guys, and, and Olive is sort of the highest one, at, and I ranked at 11, just because there's not enough there for me to be really too worried. But when it comes to thinking about can he advance these statistics at all, I'm not seeing much of that. Will Craig just sort of fell flat. I mean, if you look at after that run where he hit 15 home runs um, in his first 49 games, it was, it was just abysmal. Um, and that just, I don't know, that just makes no sense to me as to why – why why it was so bad for so long and yet he had this run so sort of like i said in the write-up that 15 home run spurt where he was locked in 
that to me is something that keeps him relevant, keeps him in the top 30. Yeah. Uh, but if it's just another season like this, then, then I'll be, I will be happy. I mean, I bring him up to the major leagues and, and, and give him all the bats to knock him off of rookie status. So I can stop talking about him or, um, you know, or he's a, he's a, for a time being, he's a lockdown first baseman that, that we need because Josh Bell's not doing great. Colin Moran's not doing great. That's sort of why I said bring O'Neill Cruz over to first base. If you can't, if you can't throw the ball from shortstop to first, just put that six, seven frame on first. Um, so those are the three guys that I feel like are, are going to be my fallers. Uh, other okay. than that, I mean, I'm not seeing, you know, there's not anyone that I really wanted. There's still a lot to like about a lot of these guys. And, and I, I think 2020 could, could have a lot more rising than falling in the Pirates list. Absolutely. So let's, let's get into the – give us a few risers. And to finish things off, I've got uh, four or five rapid-fire questions that I, I'm going to ask you. And then, uh, and then we'll get wrapped up here on, on the Pirates uh, system. Cool. Yeah, well, one guy that I, I had highlighted on my risers list was Swaggerty. Uh, I just feel like there's, there's things that could all come together for him. So he could be someone that rockets up if his season this year, you know, is very solid, uh, especially with, especially with those contact skills and, and sort of in, improving that, uh, that stolen base work, uh, which is already very good. Uh, the other two guys I sort of want to highlight, um, one is just, I think he's probably the biggest person in the pirate system, which is Shendrick Apostle. Mm-hmm. Um, we traded away his brother. Uh, and I, I'm, I, you know, I feel like they're, they are very similar profiles, but Shendrick is giant. And that can be a concern, but for right now, at age 19, I'm just going to be happy about it. He's 6'5", 245. Uh, he's massive. When, it ta- when you talk about uh, the ability to command the strike zone, he, when, he, when he debuted, he came out solid with a 10.8 walk percentage. K rate was very concerning, nearing 30%. But then in his second turn, and granted, he was only able to put together 27 games last year, but, you know, which, is, which is a concern of itself given his size, but he walked at a 19.6% rate, which is otherworldly. Like that is, that's, that's wild. And on top of that, his K percentage dropped to 16.8. And then his BABIP was 267 last year. And so you, he, he was able to have a 256 average with a 421 on base. The, all those things just give me a lot of hope that mm-hmm. he is going to be able to command the zone, get on base, and then be able to hit home runs. Because in those 27 games, he did hit five home runs. Um, so I don't know. Shendrick Apostle for me is someone, because of sort of the way the game is trending with three true outcome players, um, he could be a big riser if, if all that strike zone command and power continues, to, continues at the next level. Um, and, so he, that's, and he is uh, hopefully coming stateside for his – his uh, stateside debut as, as the numbers we're, we're looking at uh, and, and what you saw of him was in the Dominican Summer League, correct? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so he was, he was still not, not across the, the water, as it were, uh, this year. But mm-hmm. based on what he did last year in the DSL, I don't really see why you, you wouldn't bring him over and give him a shot because it's, it's not like he's, he's outmatched. Uh, it's going to be just a question of getting getting better reps against against better competition for him, and okay. obviously the size is there as well. So it's not like he needs to grow into his two forty five pound body. Um, yeah, so that's that's one of the big risers for me, or potential risers that I see. Uh, another one from um, from the DSL would be Juan Jerez. Uh, he is uh, eighteen. He's a middle infielder, uh, second base. And I, I, I'm liking a lot of what I'm seeing with him as well. He was able to get a lot of power 
down south, uh, you know, slug 469, seven home runs in 60 games, also talk, you know, tacked in uh, six stolen bases. A little worried about his inability to walk, but he's also not striking out at high levels. So, and he's, he's you know, he's decent size, six foot 160 right now. So there's, I feel like there's more projection there. He could be the next version of Rodolfo Castro um, mm. when, it, when it comes to that. But I, the stolen bases maybe give me a little bit more hope there. Um, so yeah, I, that's, he's someone that he's another one of those DSL darlings that I like, um, that could be a riser. Uh, and the other, you know, the other two that I sort of wanted to talk about real quick, one would be Cameron Junker, um, who I, I'm also a sucker for names, <laughs> um, especially when it took everything of me not to just put so many shares into Cutter Crawford last year, yeah. um, but uh, just, just on name alone, but yeah, Cameron Junker. He had, to me, he was very interesting because his, his time in college was not great. Uh, he had a lot of trouble walking guys. Uh, he's playing for Notre Dame uh, and he was, he was being run out there as a starter. And it just, it, nothing that I saw in those numbers was very inspiring at all. But then you look at his transition as a, as a relief pitcher and granted, you know, this is where you're getting into the lower levels of the list. I had him at 40. He's, relief pitchers are not going to be something that is super coveted in the fantasy world, but he's, he's also got the frame of a, of a power pitcher, right? So he's six, five, two twenty, Uh, and he struck out 14 guys per nine last year and then an ERA of one, two, nine, and he did not give up a home run, uh, in 28 innings. And so to me, and granted, he's a little bit older, you know, he's obviously, he's, he's a, used to being a starter. So he's able to come out, throw a little bit harder. Walk rate was not concerning for someone who profiles as a reliever to me. Um, and he was, he was obviously locking down a few saves down there as well, which I'm not going to put too much into, but that to me is someone who let's say he comes, he comes out and he's able to get himself into to high A or even double A this year, because I feel like the pirates should be aggressive with some of these relievers. Partly because, you know, with production like this, to see what they can do at the next level, the body's there. He's already 22, but also the Pirates desperately need relief arms uh, to hold on to every one-run lead that we are able to eke out. Um, so, yeah, that, that to me, that Cameron Junker is someone that I'm, I'm looking at because those K numbers are real. Um, and, he, you know, he, the results right now are, are, are sort of big. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he does, and I hope that they are aggressive with him. It's not going to be a giant riser, you know, he's a relief pitcher, so it would take a lot for him to really get into top 20, top 15 type stuff. But that's someone that I, that I wanted to highlight. Uh, Josiah Dixon is another one uh, who I think is, is good. He came out, he's another one of those guys where I look at the profile, right? And I like what I'm seeing when it comes to the walk rate and the K rate, uh, which is 11%, 13%. So, and he's, he's, he's no power. He's all speed. He's hopefully going to be a, a center field type guy. Uh, but if he can continue to not be overmatched at all at the plate, that to me is really, I don't know, he, that's the exact profile I'm looking for out of, a, out of someone who's going to be a leadoff hitter. Uh, and there's a lot left in him in terms of, you know, what we can see. He's just 18, round 23 draft pick, uh, eight stolen bases in 22 games. There's, you know, he's got a high Babbitt, but, he, you know, it's not too crazy considering the speed and the defenses that he was going to be going against. But yeah, I mean, if we have a leadoff hitter who's going to be able to steal 30 bags, get on base at a 380 clip, which is aggressive, that to me, I don't, you know, he's, he's slugged a little bit more than I think he's ever going to. But that he's someone that I think with another season like this, hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm expecting to see him in Greensboro next year in, in A-ball. Um, and I will say there's a lot of Pirates center field prospect uh, players right now. 
So there's a little bit of a log jam when it comes to center field, which I think is a great problem to have as an organization, but it does make it a little bit tough to place these guys in the right, you know, the right uh, level. If you're trying to actually work them out in their, in the position that you want them to play at the major league level. Uh, granted, if we have three center fielders playing the outfield at some point, awesome. Uh, all systems go. So he's, he's someone that I, that I, I'm, I'm looking at a lot this year. All right. When it, comes, when it comes to that. And the last guy I want to mention, um, oh no, actually that's my prospect crush. All right. Well, <laughs> you go ahead mention him because I, I let's, I, I, we do kind of have to wrap up here. Uh, For sure. so you've got J- Josiah Dixon is 22 on your list. Shendrick yep. Apostle 23. You had, uh, you mentioned, uh, Juan, uh, Jerez at 37 mm-hmm. and Cameron Junker was one of your other risers. You have him at 40. Who's the prospect crush? It's Dion Walker. Dion Walker. He's he's a guy, and I'm pretty sure that all the tape that I've been able to see of him is uh, is has been done has been made by his father because uh, every single time that he does anything, and shockingly, the tape only shows him doing good things. Uh, there is there's raucous applause, but he's someone. So you know he was drafted very 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 late. Uh, I want to say 30th round. Um, and what I what I liked what I saw from him is he was also a pitcher. Uh, in uh, in high school, and he he did have a commitment to to JUCO, but we we signed him away from that. So he so he pitched, uh, and he was also sort of the main the main guy for his team uh, when it came to hitting. And what I saw in that video a couple of times was his ability to recognize a breaking pitch, wait on it. You know, you used to see, and this is I'm, I'm not comping him at all here, but you used to see Manny Ramirez do this thing where he sort of takes a step, pauses and then crushes some breaking ball that he has identified out of the hand of the pitcher. And I saw Deion Walker do that several times. So he's 6'4", he's 180, he's only 18. There's going to be some more, you know, he's going to be able to bulk up a little bit. I, I don't necessarily, you know, I, there's a lot of prospect crushes, right? I like all my top 10, I like all these guys. But when it comes to sort of trying to, to dream on a late round gem, which is exactly what the Pirates need to be successful, he's someone... He just that watching him in video being able to, and I think that comes from him being a pitcher. I think that comes from him having a, a better understanding of that side of the ball when he's when he's standing at home plate. That's sort of that's sort of what I'm seeing. So that's my prospect crush is our our 30th round pick, 35th round pick actually, 1054 overall um, is Deion Walker. Uh, and so where I'm, is I'm he on your where is he on your list? Let's see, Deion Walker. I have him at 36. Also, I love to plug this guy's Georgia boy right there. Hillgrove High School, Powder Springs, Georgia. <laughs> yep, Hillsborough for sure. Yeah, <laughs> Of course. <laughs> uh, all right, sounds good. And you know what? That's why we're here, because we plug our hometowns, our home states, and we also give these nuggets. That's why people are listening, because they want to know these deep prospect crushes so they can – Go grab them in their dynasty leagues, right, Jake? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Kyle said mentioned something about a late round guy. You know, the guys that you're looking for, the gems, if you will. I mean, that's why we're playing dynasty baseball. If we wanted the guys everybody knew about, we'd just be playing normal fantasy baseball. That's what we're here for. Exactly. All right. So this has been awesome. Uh, Whole episode on on pirates uh, prospects uh, going through your top fifty, Kyle. We're going to close this out with four rapid fire questions you do not know what i'm going to ask you uh the only clue is that i'm going to say 
the answers could be names on this list. All right. Um, and, and again, we, we appreciate your time and coming on with Jake and me. Of course. So, and Jake doesn't even know the questions I'm going to ask, but yeah, are you ready? It's the classic Scotty ball game treatment. Shoot it. The Scotty ball game curveball. So here we go. Pirates prospect hitter of the year, minor league hitter of the year, 2020. Who will it be? O'Neill Cruz. Pitcher of the year. I'm going to go with Tanaj Thomas. I like that name. Jake, you like that name too, right? Absolutely. Throws, All right. Throws, yeah, he throws the gas. All right, now I'm going to come in with a little screwball here. Oh, my. Pittsburgh Pirates minor league breakout prospect of the year. Ooh. Now, I was, running, I was running through your list. Uh, oh, and I can't remember. You did have it listed in your top 50 who this past year's breakout prospect of the year was. Yeah, oh. that was that was Tanaj Thomas. Okay, so who will be the 2020 breakout? Hmm. Interesting. When it comes to the breakout, huh? I really feel like it's it's interesting because I I don't want I don't want to necessarily go super low. I'm actually going to go with um, uh, Jiwan Bay, and I know that his stats were decent this year, and but he also doesn't have any power whatsoever. But I think if you I think I like that hit to a lot, and I'm I'm G1 Bay. That's my answer. Right. Well, that's a name that we haven't even discussed, and he's in your top ten at number nine. So yeah, yeah. I like that answer. That's a great answer. All right, my last question for you, Kyle: Who will we see playing in Chavez Ravine at Dodger Stadium, representing the Pirates minor league system in the 2020 Futures game? Ooh. Hmm. I am gonna go. I hate to I hate to do it again, but I feel like it's it's gonna be O'Neill Cruz again. Uh, I I really feel like he's gonna he's gonna come out strong uh, and potentially even hit his way you know into into AAA. So that's who I think when it comes to the futures game. When I've seen the names go on there, I I think again, sort of like the hitter of the year. I think it's gonna be O'Neill Cruz. I. I'm again thinking he's going to be tier one by the end of the year, and I got big hopes for him. So awesome, Jake! I have an EFIS pitch for you. <laughs> Who will be representing the Pirates in 2021 at the Futures Game in Atlanta? In 2021, as much as I want to go off the radar, <laughs> I think I'm going to go with Travis Swaggerty. I thought you were going to say Quinn Priester. Oh, I, of course, I'd love to say Quinn Priester, but I got to be a little realistic here. Okay. <laughs> I like I like that pick a lot because, yeah, with a good season this year, I feel like Travis Swaggerty could be right there, uh, especially with sort of the profile. So that's that's solid. I like that. And I'm going to say Mason Martin. Yes. If we see Travis Swaggerty and Quinn Priester in Atlanta at the Futures game, it's going to be a pretty good Futures game. Yes, yes. All right, well – this has been awesome. Uh, one of our best episodes. And uh, Kyle, really uh, great having you uh, part of the team, having you on board. And, and thanks for coming on with Jake and me. Um, really quick, really quick last question. Is there any players that did not make your list that you want to do a quick shout out to? 
Uh, yeah, I, I got I got three quick ones. Uh, last year on this list, we had 34 uh, Connor Kaiser. He is someone who who I think could you know could come out and be solid. He really showed good walk rates uh, last year. Babbitt was severely depressed, and so that led to an, an overall line that was not great, but mm-hmm. still was solid. Uh, okay. And then I don't know how to say his last name, but Cam Vu, V I E A U X. Uh, I think he's someone that you know he didn't make my list, but he's he had a really solid year at AAA last year. Uh, he's been very durable, uh, and so that's that's someone who improved production. I mean. I'm liking I'm liking Cambu potentially. We'll see what happens this year, um, but he's someone who didn't make my list who who approached. And then uh, Sergio Campana uh, is the is the last one, and sort of that was uh, mentioned to me on on Twitter by Mr. Baker. Uh, but he's someone who the Pirates gave a lot of money to. Seventeen, another DSL darling. Um, didn't see enough out of him to 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 crack that that top fifty. Um, but he's he's someone with a good 2020 uh, could very easily sort of rock it up. So. Awesome. Well, uh, that's going to be a wrap for this uh, episode of Futures Focus. Kyle, thanks again. Jake, thank you for being part of this. Um, we're, we'll probably be bringing on several more of our correspondents to talk top 50s. Uh, don't you think that's, uh, that's how we should kind of roll the rest of this month? I think we're going to do a great job getting us to spring training and beyond, talking some top 50s. Got some great lists dropping, man, and I'm trying to trying to engage with some folks on Twitter and get talking about it and give my thoughts and stuff. Absolutely, we're going to talk a lot more top fifties. Help you guys with your dynasty leagues. All right, sounds good. So, uh, Kyle, you can find him on Twitter at Caught Looking. Just change that U to a V. Uh, Jake, tell us where uh, we can find you at Barry's underscore Baseball. Of course, once the season starts, get rolling. We're going to be doing prospects of the week, really our uh, you know our staple article throughout the season, and then I've got the Braves uh, top fifty dropping soon too later in January. And uh, I can be found on Twitter at Scotty underscore Ballgame. Ben Wilson and I will have our Red Sox top fifties, uh, top fifty prospects for the Red Sox uh, shortly, and uh, and we'll be back soon with another episode of Futures Focus. Thanks for listening, everyone. And until next time, uh, play ball, I guess we will be saying pretty soon. Take care, everyone. 